Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Joining us today, we have Scott Hoffner, Chef Scott Hoffner. You know, there are a lot of people that do a lot of things, but food is one of our favorites. So we're glad to have Scott here. He has 30 years of restaurant business experience. I believe he started cooking at nine years of age and has gone his entire life every day with a love of food, cooking and exploring food as an experience, as a entrepreneurial adventure, and as something that he presents to everybody as he makes his way through life. And he opened his restaurant, Didi's Downtown in Frisco, right before the pandemic. You got to know that Scott has got an adventurous spirit. So welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I love that we're getting some really great small restaurants because living north of Dallas, we have tons of amazing restaurants. Dallas is known for its restaurant scene. But when I first moved to Frisco, Frisco was not known for its restaurant scene. We had like Chili's and Applebee's and, you know, just really typical chain type thing. And so I'm really excited that the, the community and the town is coming together to really support these small places where we can have some quality, fun food and experiment with different cuisines and that kind of thing. So I'm really loving that about Frisco now. So when you started your restaurant, what was your motivation for that? The space, I just loved the old house. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it for five years, just driving by it and driving by it. And I wanted to be close to the space that I was going to operate because I've worked in so many different locations where travel in your 45 minutes and traffic and raising my kids near the restaurant was real important to me. Well, so you drove by it for five years. Was that like your muse? You drove by it, you saw the restaurant, and you kept thinking, okay, you knew the menu in your head, you knew how you wanted it to look. Did you know, just looking at it, what you wanted? I kind of did. I had the idea of the rail district because of the, how old that area is, and I felt like it was going to, it was up and coming. So what exactly is the rail district? The rail district is an area of downtown Frisco that is where all the older, cool, neat homes are wrapped in this neighborhood. And it goes from basically the railroad tracks basically to North County. It's kind of making Frisco feel like a small town again. Well, that's pretty awesome. So Leah has talked about your restaurant to me for a long time. You know, it's a place of comfort (laughs) for her. Yes. And her family and for Jenny, our producer. And it's one of those places that seems to bring people together. When I was there, not only was it a fantastic meal, but we had to go inside because there was so much liveliness out on the patio you're talking about that it was just there was a lot going on there. But then you walked inside and it was nice and quiet and intimate and everybody could kind of enjoy their conversation. So you took the opportunity to create those two different spaces well it's i have a nickname for each one of them so yeah so like the dining room is heaven and the patio is like purgatory yes and the bar is hell (laughs) okay i love this you know what i mean they really are each end depending on what time of day it is and what's going on they're like so different they have different vibes yeah you could sit in the dining room in this peaceful little old house and then you go through the bar and you're like what's going on in here and then you go to the patio and there's live music and 
people are chatting and talking and kids are dancing and it's really special. Yeah, we definitely fell in love with the space during COVID with the patio because we we had eaten there several times before, but you didn't open that long before the whole COVID lockdown happened, right? Yeah, yeah. we had just started to get our bearings when COVID hit. And that's just a whole nother story. (laughs) But COVID allowed me to do a bunch of things I hadn't been able to do. I, it was like gave me a break. It's it paused everything for a second to like get it really together where I had envisioned it going. Yeah, you said your patio was important to you, but I almost said that your patio was important to a lot of people in Frisco because for us it was really like our escape during lockdown. We couldn't go anywhere. You know, you're at home with your kids, and so every Friday night we would go sit on the patio, and it was like a moment to have normal life. Um, we went out to eat. Someone else cooked for once, which was so nice during COVID when I was stuck at home cooking all the time. You know, I was tired of cooking and there was live music and it was kid friendly. And so I was able to just get out and have this moment where you felt like the world was a little bit normal for a little while. And so we really looked forward to that every Friday night of just going and escaping the bubble that we were all living in and getting to interact with people. And we met our wonderful waiter, Caleb, and he always made us feel so welcome. And so it was a really great experience that we definitely like now it now it feels like home my people say it's my cheers when i walk into dds people are like leah i'm like hey guys <laughs> so it's so fun to know that you have that like second home well thank you because it's there's nothing you could say to me that means more to me yeah and i don't want to get like <laughs> i don't want to get upset while i'm on this podcast but that's like everything that's why i do well, what good we to do show your emotion sure it, you know but it, it's just uh going through COVID. i mean i married people we had weddings we had people couldn't do baby showers people could everything stopped so yeah. we had that okay. patio and it was a godsend you know it was okay so you have your restaurant but what about your sense of adventure i like to boogie woogie okay. i like to see it all okay so do you travel a lot as much as i can as people that run restaurants you understand how hard that can be at this point it's just starting i'm getting the ability to leave the restaurant and go so we just went to steamboat colorado as an example and that isn't going to paraguay but it's you know we took the kids and did some skiing and we skied for three days you know one of them came out a skier the other one an ice skater (laughs) Uh, but ate a lot of great food while i was there and so you know wherever i go I like to dabble in all different styles of food and see what's local and what they're doing and had an amazing, I did have one particular meal there that was just outstanding. That was, it was called Truffle Pig. I don't know if I'm allowed to oh, yeah. drop, drop names, but the spot was on We point. like name droppers. Yeah, <laughs> foie gras. That was just, they did a, it was like an Elvis play. So it was this really light, banana bread with it was like a peanut butter demi-glaze yeah oh my god it was just sounds good it was super fun it was almost like a dessert and i started with it but i just had the foie gras at d lincoln's oh yeah on monday night i know with leah one of the things she's always trying to beat into my head is that you've got to take that time off you've got i agree you've got to re charge you've got to move back into a space where you can get creative again that kind of thing yeah if you're if you're creative i don't think that anything um recharges you as much as new things getting exposed to new places or new foods or new things that just really i think it's your creativity flowing inspires you and helps you come up with ideas so i think it would be hard to be a creative and not go explore in some way people have different ways to do it but in some way you've got to try new things well that's why i admire what you do because like to be honest, I'm, I get very jealous. I'm like, man, she's going to Ireland and she's going to Italy and she's <laughs> going to Greece and she's just cruising all over the place and taking all these people. See, what you do, you're taking people 
on a tour of a life trip, you know, where they get to experience food and architecture and art and lifestyle of different people. You know, you're kind of got a package of it all popping right there. Yes. You may not be doing the cooking, but uh, (laughs) some great chefs are. So they, you know, and I'm sure. She does recognize great food. You know that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, she comes a lot. So that, you know, I think she'd go somewhere else. If it wasn't good. Oh, definitely. I definitely would go where the good food is. Have you told them about the baby and everything? Are we allowed to talk about that? No, I haven't told that story. Can we not? Yeah, that's fine. Will you tell it? Okay, so we ate at Didi's a lot. And the day before I was getting induced to have Jilly, I had been running around like an insane person all day, like, you know, finishing all the things and getting everything right to go to the hospital in the morning. And so it was time for dinner. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not cooking something. So let's go out and get something to eat. And so I wanted steak, but I didn't want to go somewhere really fancy and pretentious. So I was like, let's go to Didi's. So we go to Didi's. And um, he has a great peppercorn steak. And so I ordered it. And there was a storm coming to Frisco. And it was like a crazy, crazy thunderstorm. Knocked out the electricity on all of Main Street in downtown Frisco. Wow. So we looked outside the windows and we were like, not only did they lose electricity, there's there's like no lights to be seen. And it is a torrential downpour. And so we weren't really sure what was going to happen. It was us and like one other family. It was because it was kind of late for dinner time on a weeknight. I was so impressed because they finished our entire order for all six of us without electricity. It <laughs> so was, It was super nice. fun. <laughs> yeah. So they had to open all the doors to let the smoke out because they were grilling we and everything. Hood. Yeah. They had, the hood couldn't pump out the smoke. And the only thing they couldn't make was French fries. They subbed it for mashed potatoes, which I'm not sad about at all. And so we were impressed. We were taking our iPhones and turning the flashlight on and putting it on glasses of water so we could see to eat. And it was, it so, was so funny. Fun. Yeah. It was really fun. And we were Jilly was bored. <laughs> yeah. And then that night I went into labor <laughs> probably because of the storm my doctor said so I went into labor that night and then we came in a couple weeks later with tiny jelly bean and Scott was like oh my gosh the baby's here I was like actually the baby came last time I saw you that night is when she was born the baby was prompted to come out and be a foodie as well yes there we go so now that. she has she has great taste in food and she she, she loves TDs she might be the boss of DDs, actually. She really is, I think. <laughs> the whole kitchen knows Jillian's rules. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> they know fruit, no melons. Hold the fruit after she eats her noodles. And then Caleb sneaks her whipped cream. The other day we went there for lunch and someone didn't bring the whipped cream. Oh, and boy. she was super incredulous. She goes, they didn't bring the cream. <laughs> and I was like, well, Mr. Caleb's not here. They don't know about the cream. She's like... But nobody brought it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so funny. They they know we have. I have another buddy of mine who actually owns a studio in Frisco, and they have a little boy named Van. And like two weeks ago, they went by the restaurant. And he just started screaming, "French fries! French fries! French fries!" <laughs> it's amazing how children just they remember buildings and that's where it's at yeah you know you start them young well i'm glad that he recognizes dds for french fries instead of the golden arches so he has discerning taste for the good french fries well they're real potatoes yeah they're good cut every day so (laughs) okay so we've talked about all kinds of things and maybe jumped around a little bit but we haven't really talked about how you decided you wanted to be a chef i love finding out people's backstory and so what made you want to cook and be that guy Well, when I was nine years old, I started working at a place called Plano Steakhouse off of Parker and Independence. And I started as a dishwasher. And by the time I was 11, I was on the flat top, like fully cooking hamburgers, steaks, eggs. It was kind of a weird deal. Uh, My dad worked a lot. And so I like psychologically, I think as a kid, it was a, you know, a way to like prove my worth 
mm-hmm. you know, like work hard. That's an important thing. And so I was able to do it in the kitchen and immediately, you know, my mom's from New York, Didi's from New York. So even as a kid, I remember coming home from school and like, it wouldn't be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It would be a steamed artichoke with drawn butter. And I remember the day she taught me how to take an artichoke heart out of the artichoke and remove the gills and clean it properly. And like, this is the best part. And then dunk it in the, so it was like, I was in this really weird kind of strange world as a kid, very little kid. And then food was, we ate well. My mom was a great cook. Uh, we, you know, we serve her hot fudge pie at the restaurant. So like cliche as it sounds, mom and just starting at it young. But the truth of it is it's a, like a number one way to touch people. Like yes. I was talking about her, like how she has that package of travel and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Food is a direct way and an immediate way to see a reaction, to get a reaction. And then not only that, like there's nothing better than seeing a couple kiss at the table. Like when you're walking by and you see it out of the corner of your eye, you've done everything right. Mm-hmm. They're thrilled. They're happy. They're going to have a great evening. They're going to go to their movie or whatever they're going to do after. And it sets a tone. So whether it's a bar mitzvah or a wet, like you do somebody's wedding. I mean, you're sending these people hopefully off for the rest of their life with this awesome party and this celebration of them. Absolutely. And so that's like where I'm at with it. And from that job at Plano Steakhouse, I've never left. There's never been a year of my life that I haven't worked in a restaurant since then. All through high school, I opened up Macaroni Grill at 16 off of Park in Preston. Like I, I, That's where I started learning how to saute 36 pans. 36 pans, 16 years old. That's where the scar comes from. I know there's no <laughs> video. but So it's just been a nonstop deal. And That's then, your war wound. I love them. Okay, yeah. yeah they show where you've been. They you do. Know, you see, got, you wait, see I think we've all got those. With sheet tray burns up and down their arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can see a guy that walks in and applies for a job and you, you just look at his arms. Okay, you, you've done this 20 years. You're burnt up. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> you know. I, I, I love that. I think that in so many cases... Food has to do with love. I think there's so much about connection that happens with food. And if you're happy, you know, you bring people food or you share food. If you're sad, you bring people food and you share. If you have That's something it. to celebrate. So like, there's so much that goes into food and, and also creating that experience, like you were saying. For me with travel, um, one of the first things that we're definitely going to look at is where we're going to eat and what we're going to eat. But also I really love to do things like cooking classes. And the reason I love it is because I think you learn so much about a culture or a place from their food. And it's not just about the ingredients. It's about why why they make things that way or you know, why they use these ingredients in this, in this way and that kind of thing. I, I agree. Yeah. Well, you want to know something about food you were talking about you know, it brings people together. I have always been a curvy child. And whenever I was little, my grandmother, she told me cooking is a part of life and you eat well. So I think growing up, you start to think you're supposed to eat a certain way. And I have realized as an adult that I eat better whenever I eat what I enjoy, when I give into the love of food, instead of making it something that's not, I mean, I try to make every meal special now. Even when I go home at night, if I'm having a salad, I have gotten where I won't stand up. I, I want to sit down and make it ceremonial. And I found that I'm eating better. I've, I'm doing better. And I think that food makes you love yourself or hate yourself in some ways. And right now, as I'm hearing you guys talk, I'm thinking about how much love food really is to you and that that's what I'm supposed to be doing is finding that love in food again. Well, 
It's just like anything in life. What's your perception of it, right? Mm-hmm. So your perception of food can be bad or your perception of food can be beautiful. Yes. And half empty, half full, right? Are you going to make lemonade? What are you going to do with it? Right. It's true. So does it mean that food for you needs to be X, Y, and Z? Or does it mean that you need six, six lovings a day, small portions? Right. Mm-hmm. It's true. And, and you change And up. good ingredients and mean great ingredients. everything. Great ingredients are everything. And that's, that's a whole nother weekend. I don't even want to, <laughs> I'll talk about great ingredients, but it, it's to keep those great ingredients, especially with the times mm-hmm. and inflation. It's very challenging. There's a decision that you have to make. Would you want to change up your product so you can sell it at an inexpensive price or do you stay true to what you do and make everybody have to pay the price to, to do it? And in this day and age, it's, t- it's gotten harder and harder. I think something, too, that we don't pay as much attention to on an everyday basis in America is that food should be part of an experience. Yes. And it's not like a means to an end. It's not about just like putting food in your face and like getting back to whatever you were going to do or what you were working on. But it's about spending time with your family or somebody that you care about. Sit down at the table and eat together and be face to face and enjoy the ingredients and the food that you have, not just rushing through. Well, in Europe, everybody Mm -hmm. is chilling. Eating is just such a, it's an experience almost whether you're having a slice of pizza. Right. You know what I mean? Even when you get a slice of pizza in Rome. You know, it's an experience. You go up and the guy cuts it and whacks it and then weighs it and (laughs) slaps it and it's a rectangle of this awesome. And you're like, what is this awesome? We need to sit down because I got to eat this. And sometimes you're in the middle of history eating like we were in San Gimignano. We were literally eating a piece of pizza on the steps. A wedding was going on around us and you're just enjoying life and enjoying the food and taking a minute. Yeah, to take it all in. And food will allow you the time to do it. If you do it right, if you sit back, and that's like with Didi's, I call it my transporter because I want you to be transported to different places at different times and memories in your life. And it happens every day. Every day I have somebody that says, man, this place makes me feel like I'm in Austin. or This place makes me feel like I'm in Colorado. Or this place, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I'm in California, depending on the weather or whatever's going on. And food allows you to like sit back and remember the nostalgia of, think about how many experiences you have. Well, we were here and remember we were in Napa and we ate at the laundry or whatever. Yeah, Not only because you really needed is. to live, but <laughs> it's true. One of the things I have not even talked to you about is, you know, we keep talking about Didi's. Tell everybody why you call it Didi's. Where did that come from? My mom's name was Diane <laughs> and she passed away uh, very suddenly, I think seven years ago now. And all the kids called her Didi. So instead of grandma, mm-hmm. if she was Aunt Didi or Didi for grandma. And so it's my ode to my mom. I love that so much. And so you serve her chocolate pie. What else do you have? Well, besides everything she taught you. Well, I just recently, last week, I did Sticky Chicky. Mm-hmm. And that's, oh, that sounds and, good. And Sticky Chicky is a charcoal grilled uh, thigh and leg. Oh, only dark meat. She was like, she hated chicken breasts. Me too. That's I got me it. too. She, I like all, only the dark meat. Dark everything meat. dark meat. So Sticky Chicky is this apricot glazed chicken. It's really good. It's not that I do a lot of her dishes, but there's always, you know, she's always in the back of my mind when I'm cooking. She's cooking there with you in the yeah, kitchen every sure. minute. For that's sure. That's great. So I know you always worked in restaurants during this time, but did you have a lot of opportunity to travel during those years? I've I've lived in multiple different states. And so that was just a part as far as traveling in that sense. 
you know, each place was like a different puzzle piece to me. Mm-hmm. You know, California, I remember where I learned how to cook tofu. Okay. You know, when yeah. you got to California, I'm from Texas. I'm a native Texan. <laughs> like, tofu, man, what are we doing here, man? Like, right. This isn't what I'm... Tofruity? Okay, so we got to figure out this tofu thing. And even though I'm, I hunt and I fish, I'm not like an avid hunter, but I will hunt if the situation is in front of me. You know, wild game in Montana and and Colorado. I mean, I in Colorado, I used I was on the frontier border. I, I have duck hunters come in with ducks they just shot. Literally, oh, wow. ducks. It's called com- farm to table for a reason. I'm telling you, it was coming from pond to table <laughs> at that moment. You're they're still warm. Yes. And they bring them in and say, "Do what you want to do." I couldn't sell them. We'd sell a plate fee. Mm-hmm. So the coleslaw and the Baked beans were $35. <laughs> Love it. And then we take the ducks down and clean them up, and I do all kinds of stuff with it. And same thing with elk and venison. But each one of these different stops, I did go to Europe when I graduated culinary school and was over there for some time. And I wasn't as in a cooking format. I was kind of playing music and eating and seeing and checking out different cultures. And, you know, we spent a great amount of time in Rome and Florence and Venice and kind of that, I guess you'd say that typical maybe tour that you would do. But Germany was amazing and we were in Spain and Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Sam, you know about Amsterdam, don't you, bro? (laughs) It's okay. Sam's the guy with the plan right over there. (laughs) So, um, yeah, and Czech Republic was really cool for food. Yeah, I do love the Czech Republic a lot. And it was, we were, this was in like 97 I mean, everything was so cheap, and yeah. I mean, we were eating hot dogs and oh, every falafel. So I really became a falafel fan. Really, in Europe, yeah, because they had the, it was like four bucks, and you go through, and they give you five balls, and there's a tzatziki bar with salad, and my buddy John Mesh could like literally make like a all you could eat buffet salad and like <laughs> stuff in his jacket. I'm like, what are you eating salad out of your jacket? <laughs> you know, we were on a budget, you know. So <laughs> I love Anyhow, it. Anyhow, I don't know if I digress. I'm sorry, producer lady. No, I, I go, she's loving this. She's I, over there laughing. I move around a lot. So So do you feel like all of those different experiences that you had, do they influence your menu and your choices of the restaurant on a daily basis? Every single moment. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you something. This is a book. Right when I graduated chef school, I got Nobu's very first cookbook. Wow. I was looking at it last night. It's in my office. It sits on my desk. It's the first time I ever heard of Sriracha. That book had Sriracha in it. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Can you imagine if I bought stock in Sriracha in 97? (laughs) Back then? 97. We would, whew. Yeah, especially when they ran out just like a few months ago. Oh, it's a terrible thing. I have multiple recipes with it that none of those other srirachas work. None of them do what the original sriracha does because there's too much vinegar, too much pepper, too much acid. So, yeah, I brought, when that happened, I bought seven cases of sriracha and stored them. It was kind of prepared. Did you make it through? No. I didn't actually. We were having to go to Walmart and buy single bottles, so I was sending the staff go to Walmart, get a bottle of sriracha, and I was just paying everybody off. <laughs> it was like serious black market <laughs> sriracha situation, <laughs> heavy duty. But yes, all of that influences everything that I've done. All the different spots, all the different places that I've been. Especially, I worked for a guy in Austin named Ace, and all my Cajun stuff. That base 
comes from that one man. Okay. And I was only 20. Base of ace? The base, hello, can you go? <laughs> Instead of ace of base, it's base of ace. Yes. The, I love that. that. I- I saw, saw the, the sign. Ah. Opened, opened up my eyes. eyes. I saw the sign. <laughs> yes, that's it is exactly that. Yes, it's beautiful. It <laughs> now this okay. is great, Scott. You're so excited about life. You can tell that you do take the joie de vie very seriously. You like to live. Must, must mm-hmm. live. Carpe diem. Well, and that's what I love about Leah. You know that she is literally that. Let's go seize the day. Let's go have an experience. No matter if we're going to the restaurant, let's go to Dee Dee's. Have an experience with the kid. Hey, Marla, come meet me in Frisco. You'll love this restaurant. So it's clearly a place that people go for an experience. People come and it transports you. You you could be on the inside listening to some jazz or whatever music. I just I'm in the mood to listen to that day. I mean, it could be Duran Duran or it could be Zydeco. We like to constantly change it up and with the music as well there's always different players there's always different music and different styles yeah, it's, a, it's always a fun surprise i don't even look up what kind of music they are because i like to just be surprised sometimes you come in and it's like oh today it's reggae and tomorrow it's acoustic bluegrass you just don't know till you show up so it's like life you don't know what each day brings yeah, well and fun. that's what we do the food specials weekly you know we have a page that every day there's a different special and we run them till they run out and I, I really, except for fan favorites, try to always make it different, whether it's curry or sticky chicky or a halibut teriyaki bowl. You know, there's try to make something for everybody and keep it in a reasonable realm of price. Do you get like, and I know this week you're in a Cajun mood. Because what it is that? Because, <laughs> that because it's that time of year. But do you get like an, I'm in an Italian mood and you think about dishes that you ate when you were there, when you're creating your dishes? A hundred percent. If you see bolognese on the menu, that that comes from when I was in Italy. That recipe is dear and near to my heart. And I got to chat with an Italian man when I was over there about it, bolognese and mm-hmm. the, the way he does it and you know we make fresh noodles for it it's the real deal i like to take the things that i've learned and then like anybody else enhance it so as an example it's like okay there's chicken cordon bleu right it's been around forever so how can you make that different well you could take enberco ham let's say or stuff it with chorizo yum and then make a salsa verde hollandaise sauce over the top of that and really, you're taking something that was has been so classic and jacking it up. Getting creative. And, and having fun with it. And I'll say that one thing in my career that I, if I could go back in time, I wish I had more time with other chefs. Yeah. That were older than me, that were more knowledgeable than me, that just to see their side of the coin, because I would have sponged it up. You guys need to have like a chef retreat where you do like a jam session only in the kitchen. That, yeah, I, I love that idea. That'd be it's so a great cool. idea. I'm, I'm working with like I currently I'm trying to get some of the local restaurants that are on the street mm-hmm. to do kind of a uh, what do you call it when you go from a progressive? Yes, yes progressive like a dinner. Progressive a progressive dinner. Progressive I love where progressive we go from dinners. here to here to here, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we can get that done. If any of y'all hear this. I'm saying it out loud and manifesting it even though I've talked to you. That'd be super fun. We do that in um, Athens. I have an amazing tour that I do with a local chef. 
and she takes us to all of her favorite places and she orders for us. So we just follow her around downtown Athens and she every time I've done it, I've done it three times now, we've eaten different food. We just go to her favorite places. Sometimes we're standing on the street, like eating some pastry from some tiny little stand. Then other times we're sitting down in the mm-hmm. garden, having like a couple of dishes. One time we went to this mom and pop place that she said she ate every day when she was pregnant. And we were the only people there except for some diplomats. And literally our tables were in the street. But it was so fun because we just went and tried her favorite places all over the city. And yep. we ate all this different food. And I was like, can I sign up for this in every city? Like, let's do this. This is super fun. Oh, and then you're getting to see the local spots and yes. all the great stuff. So whenever I do travel and I'm go- if I'm going to Louisiana, there's people that I know that are from those areas. And that's like what you do. Your job is to set all that up. Right. For for me, I, you know, I'll make that call and say, where do I need to go? Where have I not been? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go check it out, whether it's a 30-minute drive or I'm eating out of a shanty. Right, whichever it is, as long as it's good. I like shanties. I do too. You know, the best food. food comes out of a shanty. A little hole in the wall. That'd be a name for a restaurant, the shanty. And you just do like fried oysters and fried shrimp baskets called the shanty. But I would want a long drive in a beach to get there. Oh, you go to Corpus. Well, I was thinking more of going all the way to the British Virgin Islands for something. Wow. Like that, but yeah. I like St. John. I've That's... been to St. John. That was a blast. And yeah, I got a, there was an experience. We were sailing the British Virgin Islands. We get there and there was a great little bar there. It was kind of fun. Not a lot of people there. But this kid walks up and talks to the folks that we were with and said, you know, we, we have lobsters. And so we decided, crazily enough, to just follow this kid all the way around the island to his mother's little restaurant shack and had the most incredible lobster and the most incredible experience. I don't even know if I've ever told you about that. I don't think you have, but, but we did the same thing in Anagata. We just had lobster with our toes in the sand right there. They it's brought the out same fresh lobster. Place, probably. It might have been. And they said, Do you want some lobster? And I was like, I mean, yes. do I ever not want lobster? And this was just <laughs> lobster. Little, this yes. lovely little boy came up and said that they, and then the next he morning, he just speared it. Pew. Well, the next morning we wake up and he's got a, a dinghy outside of our boat and with pastries and all, you know, and this, all these bracelets and stuff. And I'm like, I'll have a bracelet and I'll have a croissant. And I'll have, you know, <laughs> it was one of those experiences where. And that know, little, you made his day. I know, he's so well, industrious. He That's great. That's one of my favorite experiences ever. So when I was on the Isle of Capri, the first day we got there, the cats that I were with, they decided to stay in the room and chill, and that's just not my style. Mine neither. So it was a real rainy day. It was in November, and it was cold. And so I was walking around, and the island was empty. No, I mean, nobody was on it. It was just silent. It was just kind of eerie, actually. We were just there at the wrong time of the year, so everybody was huddled, huddled up. And I ended up in this little pastry shop. I mean, it, I feel like it may be just a little bigger than this room. And... There was a mother and a father there and this little girl, and she had to been like five years old. I came out of this rain, and they got me an espresso, and I don't drink espresso. I'm not a coffee guy, but when in Rome, what right. you know. So <laughs> they warmed me up with this espresso, and then they started giving me these little pastries, and they were just like ridiculous, like melt in your mouth, all of it. Oh, my gosh, it makes me salivate. And so the little girl was walking around with this little baby, like doll, in a little carriage. And she kept like coming up and just being cute. And then out of nowhere, as I'm eating these pastries, she comes up and she takes this little baby doll and pulls the underwear off of it and pulls a tampon out of it. (laughs) Oh, my God. And 
I was like, oh my God. Like I was so, <laughs> I was so shocked, you know, and the little girl just looked at me and started hysterically laughing. <laughs> and I mean, her parents were where Sam is, you know, where, like I'm at this little table and she pulls out this, this tampon and oh my God. And the parents started laughing and she started laughing and then that became her stick. So as she w- would go and s- mess around for a little bit and then come back over to me and do it, repeat it <laughs> for that reaction for me and her parents. And they thought it was great. And it was so hilarious. And I came back to the room and I, the guys were like, what's going on out there? And I'm like, well, I was just at this pastry shop. I met this five-year-old girl and, their, and her parents. They gave me great pastries and shocked me a little bit. So it's a, it was very... That's I hadn't great. thought about that story till we started talking about shanty, <laughs> I guess, but some of the best pastries I've ever had in my life were, were that. Involved a tampon. Yeah, it was a weird deal. That, so, that does sound like a weird deal. That is so But awesome. I'll tell you, you know, a trip that really, really, you guys remember the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Yes. I think it was like 1987 or something like that. I think it was 11 or 12 years old. So my parents decided to plan a trip after the theme of that movie. It was called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So we ended up going up the East Coast. And we went to Washington, and we went up to Connecticut and New York. And on that trip is when I officially became a connoisseur of pizza and how I view pizza very seriously. Because there was a hotel in Washington, D.C. that to this day, I'll tell you, had the best, still in the top five best pizza I've ever had. I don't know what hotel it was. And then, have you, do you remember the movie Mystic Pizza? Yeah. Oh, yeah. With Julia Roberts, one of her first films. But going to Mystic Pizza as a kid. And then on that trip, we were in New York. So we'd gone to Little Italy. This is all, you know, obviously before I'd ever been to Europe. Little Italy and then Chinatown. And on that trip when I was 12 is where I saw a lot of culture and a lot of different styles of food. You know, I was from Texas, you know, being from mm-hmm. Texas. That right. was that trip to New York all the way up that East Coast. That's when we we were on the beach and we were getting lobsters from the, and crabs from the crab trap and, you know, doing those seafood boils up there and then eating pizza and Italian food and Portuguese food. And it was just a quite an experience that left an impression on me. How old were you then? 12, I think. Yeah. So I was already cooking. So okay. 1987, 86, something like that. That's a good age to make a food impression, I think. Yeah. I had I had a really it was random, a great trip. really random pizza experience. It was one of the best pizzas I ever ate. I was at a travel conference in Austin and there was like a meetup at this craft beer house and they literally just had craft beer and I don't drink beer. And so everybody, I guess, wasn't hungry because they were drinking beer. And I was like, I'm hungry. Do you guys have any snacks around here? And the bartender was like, no, sorry, we don't have anything. And some guy that's sitting at the bar drinking was like, there's a pizza truck in the courtyard that'll change your life. And I thought, well, that seems a little melodramatic, but okay. You know, because I was like, whatever, I'm hungry, I'll eat it. So I go out there. It's Detroit style pizza at okay. a food truck in this courtyard. And it was like with fig jam and prosciutto and gorgonzola and balsamic drizzle. Delicious. Yes. I took a bite and I was like, oh my gosh, I think this pizza actually did just change my life. Like <laughs> I, I thought he was being dramatic, but he really was telling the truth. So we ate the pizza. I have like a picture of me like with a stringy cheese, you know, like eating this pizza. Like let's document this moment of amazing pizza. And I went back in to tell him and he was gone. But I wanted to tell him like, dude, I totally thought you were exaggerating with your pizza. Do you remember today. the name of it? I don't. I could look it up. I've looked it up before. They still exist? It did still exist last time I looked. Yeah. So no, if you're in Did Austin, it have arugula on the pizza at all? 
That it pizza needed a it little arugula. Supposed to have had arugula, but I don't like arugula. So oh. if it did, I would have taken it off. But so yeah, typically it, it would have arugula. And that you never have arugula whenever I use it. No, I always take it out. Wow. Caleb knows to tell me if it has arugula or Holy peppers. moly, the <laughs> things they hide from me. Yes, I know. I love this. Well, it's, the thing that's so special is it's at least where I feel, how I feel about DDs. It's like we're friends become family. I don't mean to have like a tagline or a cheesy thing. But it's just true. Why not? I mean, people, if you're at DD's every night, you know, there's tables that are getting up from tables and people are joining each other. Yeah. They know each other. They're, oh my God, Bill, Jimmy, you Leah. You have friends coming to see friends. It's yeah. friends well, coming it's to see friends. It's hard to not friends. run into friends, too. You run into people you didn't know were going to be there, and that's fun. So you, I know you've said that it's really important to you to create positive and memorable experiences for your guests. What are some of the things that you do that are really important to you to make sure that happens? I think that hospitality, just in general, is the deal. You know, there's, I've kind of coined this thought or service is an action and hospitality is a mentality, right? So me getting you a water, that, that's just service. That's, an, that's, got, that's just a gimme, right? It's coming. But let's say, you know, you're going out with Justin. You guys are going to go have a nice dinner somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But you came in because you wanted an espresso martini and you just got your hair done. And you look beautiful, of course, but it just started to rain and you don't have an umbrella, but I got a pizza box. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. walking you to the car with a pizza box over your head. You know what I mean? Right. It's this extra step. <laughs> it's the running. They, they forgot their to-go food. Any restaurant can be like, oh, they forgot it. Just throw it away. Right. Or you can run after them and see if you can get it back in their car before they drive away. It's knowing that if you leave your wallet in my restaurant, you're getting it back. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so important. With every single too. thing that's in it. Yes. It's good to know that people have got your back and they want you to have a great experience. That's when you when you had that reaction to my the way I described your restaurant, that's exactly how I feel when someone gets what I want them to get from my tour, you know, whenever somebody's tells me their experience unprompted and I realize that that what I wanted them to feel is how they felt, you know, and I think it is all about those little those little details and paying attention. And I feel like it's something that you can't always teach people like people either. It is hard. Well, if my cooks do a great job and my servers don't, I'm screwed. If my servers do a great job and my cooks don't, I'm screwed. We're right. all screwed. It's all a handshake that has it's a dance. It has to happen all the time and things get missed. But if you build a trust within your people and a support system within your people. When things happen that don't go your way, there's an understanding behind it and it can be talked about. It doesn't have to be a nasty review or this or that. It can just be like, look, we we dropped the ball. We want to make it right for you. The majority of the time, the things are right. So when things happen, it, they can be f- forgiven. But the, the point of it is, is you're trying to look at different details of everybody's needs and everybody's needs are different. Some people are simple. Some people are gluten-free and have a lot of other needs as far as celiac. And, well, I'm, I'm being honest that there are different levels of, of needs, but trying to, trying to take care of folks is the number one way to do it. Well, thank you, Scott. That was an amazing show. I mean, I haven't laughed that much in any of our shows so far. I got to admit. Lots of entertaining stories for sure. Well, I want to thank Scott for coming in today. He was fantastic. It made us laugh. It was just a really great show. And as usual, you were your effervescent self. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, Leah, I think we're done for the day. Thanks for a great show. Happy adventuring. Thanks for being part of the Flip Flop experience. Make sure to subscribe and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Flip Flops and Adventures. 